Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, I feel joy in the house of God. I feel victory in the house of God. Hallelujah. In spite of everything the enemy said, in spite of everything the enemy's been trying to do, I feel like God is bringing victory. Somebody ought to give God praise. Oh, come on, let's do that for a few more moments. It feels good to give God praise. It feels good to give God the glory. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Somebody shout praise God. Praise God. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Here on this Wednesday night. Amen. Coming in for Bible study. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to be getting reading in verse number 27. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. Amen. Good to have. Amen. There was quite a bit of the church out last week or so camping and doing different vacations. So it's always good. I know that happens at least one week out of the year. It's good to have everybody back in the house of the Lord. Amen. And, and uh, back Amen. Worshiping God together. There's just nothing like fellowshipping. There's just nothing like being in the presence of God together. And everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. If you missed last week, amen, you can go online and you can listen. Amen. We are continuing on. Amen. Talking about things that bring favor into our life this year. And we are talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And last week, amen, we started talking about the matters of the heart, and we talked about anger, and uh, I want you to notice every single one of these things that we're going to be talking about affect everybody, and so I encourage you to go back and listen to that, and hopefully it is a blessing uh, because it's something that can help bring favor into your life and into our lives, and everybody said amen. I feel like David, as he's about to run down and face a giant, He's just got five smooth stones and a sling. He doesn't even have any armor on. He's completely exposed, and uh, he just knows that I've, I've, got, I've got to fight for the lamb. I've got to fight for the Lord's people. And I didn't bring any smooth stones, but I got some mints if I need to throw them at some devils here tonight. Amen. And so I'm going to be battling and, and, uh, and dealing with something here today that is a, a giant. It's a giant. But I've seen giants fall before, and I believe we're going to see giants fall again. Everybody said amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, Jesus speaking, You have heard it said that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. 
For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And I am going to continue teaching and talking to us about matters of the heart. This is part two. And we're going to talk about the giant called lust. Everybody say lust. Amen. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray. Amen. That God would touch us. Amen. I want to deal with this soberly. Amen. But I want to deal with this effectively. I want to deal with this with compassion and with humility, with openness and with understanding. And I pray that God would touch each and every one of us here today. That God would take what he spoke, amen, on that Sermon on the Mount, God, that you would take your word and that you would multiply it in our hearts, God, because we ultimately desire, amen, to be what you have created us to be. Amen, Lord, we're praying that you would touch us with your word, amen, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Matters of the heart, part two, lust. And what is lust? Ultimately, lust is an unbridled force producing intense desire for something. Lust can take any form, such as the lust for sexuality, money, or the lust for power. In fact, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 so aptly describes our battle in this world. When he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Man, there is in our world a prevailing spirit, and that is the spirit of lust. It is attacking on a level that we have not seen heretofore. With the advent of modern technology from early television that our previous forefathers looked and they saw, they didn't see the television that's going on today. They had Leave it to Beaver. They had the nightly news. But they looked and they looked with spiritual eyes. Men that prayed, women that prayed, and sought for the counsel of the Lord, and they saw that afar off it would cause issues and it would cause problems. And so they stood firmly on foundations that they found in the Word of God, and they drew a line. Little did they know that it would move beyond just uh, television in the home, but it would move to theaters that people could go to to see things acted out on a big screen. In this, they never saw that one day it would come home in the form of a VHS that it would need to be rewound, for those of us that remember. And then it would progress to DVD and Blu-ray, and now it is available now through the advent of the Internet. Things of that nature are no longer just something you have to seek out, but it is something that you can access from your very fingertips on your cell phone. They never saw a day for the Internet. They never saw a day uh, that would lead to this technology, amen, that now people have access to things uh, that before time, uh, amen, would have never been dreamed of or imagined. It was just simple. It seemed harmless. 
it seems sinless. But today, it is the devil that has taken off his mask. He is no longer in hiding. In fact, some people think, well, the devil must be in hiding. No, he's in plain sight. He's not hiding anymore. Man, everything came in like a Trojan horse before, but today it's just blatantly out there. For the sake of tonight, I'm not going to focus on the lust for money or power because uh, that is something that, that we can deal with at another time and speak about greed. But I want to take my time and focus on the, the, the primary lust that every individual deals with, and I am not just talking to the men here tonight. I am not just talking to the adults, and trust me, I try to be very careful with my words, so I will. Uh, I'm going to deal with this very, very honestly, but I'm also going to deal with this with wisdom. I want to deal with sexual lust here today because that's what Jesus talked about. Little did previous generations know that the Internet would no longer be dial-up, but it would be available on every cell phone, amen, every smartphone in America and it has transpired and moved its way throughout the known world from social media and, uh, and different websites. We have seen an increase and a rise. It is no longer just duplication or addition. It has become exponential. The struggle in lust, amen, the struggle for people's souls, amen, is being battled through something called pornography. The amount of porno, pornographic material on the web is staggering. As search engines and other online data tell us, the market for such a material is so vast and so large that it eclipses all of the rest of the Internet. They say that every second, 28,000 users are watching pornography. $3,000 is being spent every second on pornography. While I'm preaching, the every second that I'm preaching, there will be 962 searches per second on the Internet for pornography. Every day, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States alone. 2.5 billion emails containing pornographic material are sent or received. 68 million search queries uh, related to pornography are being searched every single day. That is 20, over 25% of the total searches on the Internet. 116,000 queries are related to child pornography. I'm going to deal with some very serious stuff for just a moment, so please help me. Amen. I want you to know that's why you're seeing it over and over again that people are being taken to prison for this. There are politicians that are falling. There are religious leaders that are falling. There are movie stars that are falling. There are people down the road that are falling. Overall, 40 million American people regularly visit pornography sites. 35% of all Internet downloads are related to pornography. 34% of Internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to pornographic content through ads, pop-up ads, misdirected links, or emails. In fact, some people would say, well, it's a male problem. No, it's not. One-third of pornography viewers are women. Men who purchased pornographic materials in the last year had significantly lower marital, fathering, and family life satisfaction when compared to those that had not purchased in this last year. 
at a meeting amongst the American Academy of Matrimony Lawyers. Two-thirds of the 350 divorce lawyers who attended said the Internet played a significant role in divorces in the past year. With excessive interest in online pornography contributing to more than half such cases of divorce. This is why we need to focus on lust here tonight. This is why we need to focus in on what Jesus said when he dealt with some matters of the heart. And I understand that it is a giant before us here tonight. But if we don't deal with it, there's people that are not going to make heaven their home. If we don't deal with it, there's people that are not going to reach their full potential here on earth. If we don't deal with it, there's going to be people that are going to lose out in their marriage. There's people that are going to lose out in their youth. I want you to know that this is not a challenge just for those that are older. But they have have done studies that those, amen, as young as 11 years old are being exposed every day at school. We need to focus in here tonight. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28 in the ESV. I wanted to find out what Jesus is talking about. Because it's so prevalent in our world, some would say, what hope do we have? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28 in the ESV says, But I say unto you, everyone that looks at a woman or ladies, if you're looking at a man with lustful intent, you have committed adultery already in your heart. It is important to distinguish between temptation and sin itself. The look that Jesus is referring to is a persistent look. The desire that Jesus is referring to is not an involuntary or momentary. It is a desire that is cherished with longing. Jesus is not just dealing with somebody taking a glance, admiring the fact that somebody else is beautiful, but it is a, it is a desire, it is a, a look that is with lustful intent of heart. Jesus is not saying that temptation is sin. If that were the case, then Jesus would be a sinner. Because the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. The Bible declares, however, yet without sin. He is not saying that temptation is a sin, but he is telling us that if we allow temptation to become an intent, that if we allow the temptation that comes across our mind to stay and to fester into our mind and go from just a passing glance to a lustful intent, he is letting us know that now, Not the way that the religious world taught them. They taught them it was only action. They taught that it was only when you fulfilled the action. But he was letting them know we're drawing the line all the way back at the heart. We're not going to wait. Amen, church, I want to tell you, we're not going to wait until you end up in divorce court. We're not going to wait until a generation of young people, amen, have children, amen, without being married before we talk about it. We're not going to let people, amen, ruin their lives, amen, ending up in illicit relationships before the church stands up and starts declaring, amen, that there is life, amen, that is greater than lust. There is a love from God uh, that is greater than lust. Uh, You don't got to go all the way down that direction. I think we ought to take a moment and lift up our hands and let's pray for just a moment here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God, we don't want to allow things to progress so far. uh, Amen. That we are lost. Uh, God, we need to deal with it tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 14, if you have your Bibles. I want to talk to you about temptation for a moment. 
because it's something we all need to understand. Everybody's tempted. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're tempted. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm tempted. Everybody is. And uh, I have two decisions here to make tonight. I can either stand here from a position of a moral high ground and act like I'm holier than everybody else and beat you with the Bible. <laughs> or I can come humbly as a man, not as a man of God, but as a man, as a human, and explain to you that this is something we all are challenged with and hopefully help somebody tonight. So that's my desire. My desire is not to act like I've got it all figured out. My desire is to help somebody. Amen. Every time I get behind this pulpit, that is my main desire is to help. Amen. Not to hinder. James chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible declares, but every man, every man, every woman, that includes you, that includes me, every man is tempted. How are they tempted? This is where temptation starts to proceed. You're going to see the progression of temptation. Every man is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. I want you to notice there is a progression that is happening here. Everybody is tempted. Everyone endures temptation. Everybody gets that moment, uh, amen, where it comes across their, uh, across their brain, across their mind, amen, and it, it tries to convince them that this is good. Let me just point out something here today, that not all temptation is the same temptation. What tempts you is not necessarily what tempts your neighbor. What tempts you is not necessarily what tempts me. That's why the Bible says everyone is tempted when they're drawn away on their own lust. This is why it's so important uh, that you and I know, our, know ourselves, that we pray through to the point that we know it's, the Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We should also not be ignorant of our own devices. We should not be ignorant to the place where we don't even know ourselves to the point where we know what triggers us and leads us down the wrong path. Everyone in this room has got to take a clear look for those that say, I don't need to go to the altar. I, I challenge you here tonight. Everybody needs to go to the altar because everybody needs to come to the place where they look at themselves in the mirror through the light of God's word and they say, God, show me me. Show me me as I've been. Show me me as I could be, both positive and negative. And then God, from this moment at the altar, lead me to what is right. Everybody's got to know themselves. What tempts you doesn't necessarily tempt me. But we must understand what, what is tempting to us. And this is how it works. We can go back to Genesis chapter 3 if we wanted. The Bible says the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea or yes, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden. Amen. He took a positive that God said. God said you can have everything except one. And the devil made it a negative. You can't have nothing. And that's how the devil works. He will turn what God made a positive thing, and he'll make it seem like it's a negative. Amen. For the unmarried, the devil will tell you, well, you can't have any relations with anybody. You're just going to die alone. And, and, and yet the, the Bible declares, amen, that God made both male and female and said it is not good that the man should be alone. God said, I'll make it help me. In other words, God, God divinely designed that there would be companionship through the sanctity of marriage. And we'll talk about that at another time. Uh, and God said, I don't want you to be alone. Amen. But the devil would have you convinced 
thoughts uh, that you're going to end up alone and you're going to die. Uh, and he starts playing on that loneliness uh, and he starts attacking that loneliness. Uh, and what's happening? He's thrown the bait out there. He's thrown the line out there and he's hoping that you'll take a bite of it uh, so he can yank you uh, from where God has you and where God's leading you into where he wants you to be. This is exactly what he did with Eve. He starts questioning what God said, starts putting what God's word was in a negative light, and then he starts to let her know and deceiving her, playing on the fact, uh, amen, he said, don't you know that if you eat of this, uh, it's going to make you like God? Who doesn't want to be like God? It's going to make you better. Amen. It's going to make you a more rounded, well-rounded individual. You'll know more. And uh, she started playing on what would tempt Eve. And as he played on what would tempt Eve, he started drawing her away until eventually the Bible says when she now saw the tree. She had already been seeing the tree, but now she saw the tree differently. She saw it as a tree to be desired to make one wise. What is that? It's now, now he's moved from just, uh, amen, tempting you, uh, but now he's bringing the enticement. Uh, he's letting you know how good it would be, uh, how great it would seem. It's a tempter that knows exactly what he's doing. He is crafty. He has got the trap set, uh, and he doesn't have the bait, uh, amen, that you wouldn't want. He puts the bait that you would want. That's why the Bible says that the devil is transformed into an angel of light. For those that would say the devil shows up with a pitchfork and horns, you've been watching too many cartoons. The devil will always show up with everything you've ever wanted. If you want to know what temptation is, he'll show up with everything you've ever wanted. You just got to look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. He showed him the three things that Jesus was coming for. Amen. I want to tell you. And he started tempting him, saying, you can do it, but you don't have to do it God's way. You can do it, but you don't have to do it in God's timing. And he started pulling on Jesus. But Jesus stood firm on the word of God and said, I will not disobey God's word. If you want to catch a mouse, put some cheese, put some peanut butter. If the devil wants to catch you, what's he put? There's some folks that you've got to really take inventory and say, what is it that keeps pulling on me? And he uses that and entices you with that very thing. He brings everything you've ever wanted, and he puts it before you. And now lust has started to conceive. Now there's a plot. This is where we've moved from just being tempted to intent. It has now conceived an idea of how to make what has been shown, what I have been enticed by, something that I can actually make a reality. When, when lust has conceived, it starts to produce sin. Amen. This is what Jesus is telling us. Amen. And everybody thinks that, that it doesn't cost them anything. It's not going to be a problem just because they don't get paid today. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And people think because they didn't get struck by lightning that everything's all right. That because they've been, they've been just letting their lust run wild, that just because nothing negative has come of it, that nothing negative will come of it. But they don't understand that it's already producing death. It's producing death of your morality. It's producing death of, of, of your mind. It's producing a death, amen, in your heart. It's producing a death in your walk with God. Amen. And so it starts to produce and bring forth sin. And sin, when it gets done with you, it produces death completely. Amen. So this is what temptation does. Amen. So how does the devil get to us? He does it through every means necessary. Luke chapter 11, verse 34 in the ESV reads it this way. Your eye is the lamp of your body. I want you to notice this. I like how it says this. 
when your eye is healthy. We got some people who got some unhealthy eyes. Amen. If we're to be honest, if we're to be real here tonight, there's some folks who've been looking at things they shouldn't look at. When your eye is healthy, your whole body's full of light. Some people have put it this way the eye is the window to the soul. This is why the devil has taken such an approach through the physical, through the visual. This is why the Bible does the opposite. We walk by faith and not by sight. God's opposite of how the world operates. Notice how the devil, when he tempted Eve, he showed her the tree until when she looked at the tree, visual, visual, visual. Amen. He went through the visual so that she would now look at it, but she didn't see it the way she heard God's word. She saw it the way that the devil spun the narrative, and now she's looking at it, and now it's becoming something that is to be desired. God said it's poison. It'll kill you. If anybody was here tonight and I offered you a, uh, some water and said, this is poison. There's not one person in their right mind that would ever drink it. And yet there's some people that God has said it is poison. It is going to kill you. And the devil just puts a different wrapper on it and says, now it's tasty. And they drink it. And they wonder why their life is falling apart. Amen. I'm not here to condemn anybody. If your eye is healthy then your whole body is going to be full of light. But when it is bad or when it is unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. I've come to talk to somebody tonight about your imagination. Amen. Lust, it operates in the mind. Amen. It is something that is captivating our mind. God gave us the gift of imagination. This is why kids will have imaginary friends. No, they're not crazy. Amen. Their brain is developing. Uh, they've got this beautiful, they can see things, uh, amen, that, that we can't see. They can explore and they can, amen, they can turn anything into a, a battle, anything into a war. They've got an imagination. It's a gift from God when it's innocent. But if dirt is fed to the eye, amen, that imagination becomes dirty. If we start slinging things at it, uh, amen, and just allowing anything to come in uh, and we have no filter, Amen. That eye starts to get unhealthy. It starts to get dirty. Huh? Amen. I want to tell you, amen, that God gave us an imagination, but we've got to use our imagination for good. We are living in a world that is driven by imagination and by fantasy. Uh, amen. Everything, uh, amen, from little clips on Instagram and Facebook to full-blown movies and television uh, to pornography itself, uh, all of it is playing on the imagination, and it is feeding into people's lust, uh, and it's taking people, amen, that otherwise would have a pure conscience and a pure imagination, uh, and it's causing them to get full of all of this junk uh, and all of this dirt. And we wonder why people can come to church and they can't lift up their hands and they don't want to come to church all the time. I am just convinced it's not because they're an evil person. It's because they've been filling themselves up with all this other junk and now they don't feel worthy to come to church. They don't feel worthy to lift up their hands. Just come to preach to somebody and preach you out of your prison. Amen. You've been filling your mind with all that junk, and now God wants to tell you about your future, but you can't even imagine it because your imagination is so polluted with all the other junk. And every time you want to lift up your hands, that old devil comes by and reminds you of last night and reminds you of last week and reminds you of last year. And God has come by to send a preacher to tell you there is freedom and there is liberation and there is a cleansing and 
there is hope and God can wash your mind and God can transform your mind, but you got to let him. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody needs to let God touch their mind. Somebody needs to let the Holy Ghost transform their mind right now. Years of pornography has robbed people of years, amen, and decades of being right with God. It has robbed people from their ability to express themselves in worship. But God sent a preacher to tell you, you can be delivered tonight. Amen. Amen. God has let us have the eyes. Amen. They... They perceive, they take in, and they, they, they use this, and it creates an image, creates an imagination. If it is fed the right things, it will flourish. But if not, it will fill us with dirt and darkness. All sin, not the least sexual sin, begins with the imagination. For many men who are mostly visual, it will strictly be a visual thing. But for many women that are more on the emotional spectrum, it will start, amen, in a chat room. It will start in a DM. It will start, amen, on the internet reading, amen, and imagining. It will start with romance novels that, that some people have been taught or thought it's okay, amen, and they will allow themselves to go off into an imaginary world thinking, amen, and wishing they were married to somebody other than who they are married to, uh, amen. There's others, uh, amen, that will get on internet pornography, uh, and they will waste away hours and hours uh, as their conscience is becoming seared, uh, amen, as they are boiling away their mind, uh, amen, and that imagination is running while leading them to all sorts of perversion amen we've got to be careful what we feed our mind what we see what we read what we listen to everybody made fun of pentecost when we stood against television and movies everybody made fun of pentecost but nobody's laughing now a world that doesn't know what their sexual preference is or their sexual identity everybody made fun of pentecost say we were antiquated and old and weird Amen. But nobody's laughing now because now they've got kids and they don't know how to help their kids find, amen, the right things. Amen. Everybody was mocking as we drew certain lines and said, you know what, we need to, we need to, we need to stay back. We need to observe. We need to watch. Uh, amen. We saw cell phones coming in, and we saw people getting on the Internet and social media. Amen. And somebody raised up the banner and said, hold on, we really need to take a moment. Uh, amen. Uh, we really need to. Maybe someone needs to set down the cell phone. Maybe somebody needs to. Why, were, why is it that Pentecost was doing that? I'll tell you why. Because they knew that if, it, if, not, if left to their own imagination, an entire generation would be given over to perversion uh, and would be given over to all sorts sorts of lusts and things that they that that becomes a trap uh, that they can't get out of on their own somebody has rightly said watch your thoughts because they become your words watch your words because they become your actions watch your actions because they become your habits watch your habits because they become your character and watch your character because it becomes your destiny there's people that they have got their mind and they've let it just wander anything that comes by amen i just want to help somebody here today to, to have a moment, a, a glance, a look is not, not going to be the issue. It's what Jesus said, to look with lustful intent. It is that longing. It's when you let it ruminate in your brain and it starts to work over your imagination and it goes from being a fleeting thought to an entire narrative. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, the word of God says, we, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. 
I know we like to use this talking about the devil and talking about the enemy and the adversary, but I want to tell you that where the battle really begins is in your mind. Where the battle begins is in our, is in our mind, uh, amen, where the adversary might put some ideas and put some thoughts, uh, amen, but he has no control over your imagination. Amen. Let me help somebody for a moment. The devil might be able to put something in your mind and speak something to you or allow something to flash through as a pop-up. Amen. But the devil cannot control the clicks you take after that. The devil cannot take what happens as you let it rattle around your brain. Amen. For a couple hours, a couple weeks, a couple months. Amen. The devil cannot control your will. You can control your will. Amen. And this is why the Bible says, amen, that we've got to use the weapons of our warfare. And what are they for? Not to rebuke the devil. I want to tell you what they're for. Yes, you can rebuke the devil, but I want to tell you what the weapons of our warfare are. I want to tell you what worship does. I want to tell you what prayer does. I want to tell you what coming to church does. I want to tell you what fellowship does. Amen. It helps us take this old stinking thinking, this imagination and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I cast down that thought. In the name of Jesus, I cast down that fantasy. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I cast down that lustful thought. In the name of Jesus, I cast we we got to rebuke the devil, yes, but we also got to pray that our flesh would get under subjection under the mind of Jesus Christ. We got to pray that it wouldn't pull down those imaginations, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There's something about it. The imagination starts running wild. We know it's wrong. The word of God says it's wrong. The preacher said it's wrong. When we go to the altar, it says it's wrong. But what do we do? How do we do it? We use the weapons of our warfare. We use the weapons at our disposal. And how do we do it? We take what we know the word of God stands against, what we know God is not for. Uh, amen. And we bring them into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. It's time for some folks to get their mind back. Hallelujah. I'm just going to be real here today. There's some folks, amen, that the devil has convinced some people that you'd be better off married to somebody else. That's an imagination. That's a fantasy. Amen. And you need to cast that down tonight. Hallelujah. There's some young person that's going to school and thinking if you just dated so-and-so or just spent a little more time with so-and-so that you'd be happier. That's an imagination. That's a fantasy. And you need to cast it down. And you need to bring it unto the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. How do I, preacher, how do I fix this? I've already made mistakes. I've already messed up. I've already allowed this to rattle around in my brain long enough where it's festered and it's become something that just seems like it's attached. Amen. In my mind, I want to tell you what it is. Amen. In every area where you are disobedient to God, you go back to that area and say to the degree of my disobedience, I am going to obey God even more than I did before. Hallelujah. What does that look like? If you have struggled with internet pornography, it might be you don't need the internet any longer. Amen. I know that. Well, you're a little extreme. That's all right. I'd rather save your soul. Amen. Than, than, than be your friend. Amen. There's some people that if you can't handle social media and you know you can't handle social media, you need to delete it off your phone. Amen. If you know, amen, that you can't have a cell phone, amen, that has, has apps on your phone, you might as well lock those apps or get them off your phone or trade it in for a flip phone. Why? Because you need to be saved, honey. 
I've just come to talk to somebody. What is that doing? I'm bringing everything into the captivity, amen, of the obedience of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying, God, if I have to choose between being right with you and comfort conveniences and human conveniences of the 21st century, I choose obedience to Jesus as difficult as it must be, as hard as it must be. Maybe you don't need a laptop. Maybe you don't need an iPad. Maybe you don't need a computer on your phone. Maybe you don't need a computer in your room. I'm just trying to talk to somebody, and hopefully I'm not hurting anybody. Amen. Galatians 5 and 16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would or the things that you should. There are too many people that have allowed their cell phone to keep them out of prayer. Hallelujah. There's too many people that have allowed amen, social media to keep them from their Bibles. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm just trying to help somebody. There are too many people that have allowed modern comfort conveniences to keep them out of church. Amen. There's people that they they, they insist, uh, amen, on, on watching church online as if it's the same thing. Uh, I want to tell you it's okay uh, once in a while, uh, but there's people that have fallen further and further and further into sin, into lust, uh, and into their own imagination uh, because they've relegated church to nothing more than a digital interaction uh, just like everything else they do. And it has lost its sanctity. It has lost what is sacred. Uh, amen. And it's leading them further and further away from God. Amen. And somebody's got to stand up and raise up the banner and raise up the standard and say once and for all, I'm going to live for God with everything I've got. I've gone further into disobedience, but now I recognize the issue that has led me away. I'm going back to obedience. I'm going back to church. I'm going back to God. Don't let coronavirus in 2020 send you to hell. Get to church. Get to the house of God. Get to the altar. Get to the prayer room. Open up your Bible. Don't let your Instagram keep you out of church. Don't let your Facebook keep you out of church. Don't let YouTube or your television keep you out of church. Get to the house of God. I think we ought to pray all across this building. I'm almost done. Come on, I've come to preach to somebody. You, you can't allow, amen, this modern world and modern technology, amen, to, to, to keep captivating your imagination and keep captivating your, your eyes and keep captivating your time because it's leading you further into disobedience. Hallelujah. Amen, I'll preach about it at another time, but I feel it in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the love, that in the end times, that the love of many shall wax cold. You know why? Because the iniquity that abounds. Not the iniquity in the world. That we've allowed the water in the world to get in the boat of the church. I'm not talking about we need to go become a commune somewhere. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people have allowed, amen, the love of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and all that is in the world. 
They've allowed that to get so deeply embedded in their heart that now the love that they had for God is waxing colder and colder and colder. They've allowed these imaginations and these fantasies, uh, amen, and all these other things that are available to them at their disposal, amen, to lead them further and further away from God. Amen. Church, I wish, I wish uh, at times, I wish I pastored in a day, uh, amen, before we had all this technology, uh, amen, because there were people that had, amen, had nothing else, uh, amen, but I want to tell you what, what Brother Holmes said once. Uh, he said, this is going to be, uh, amen, something that's going to help uh, weed out the church, uh, amen, it's going to help us determine and understand, uh, not us on a personal level, but God is using it uh, as a tool, uh, amen, to go through the church uh, and find out who's really got it in their heart, uh, who really wants to serve God, and who just wants to be given over to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Church, we are living in a test. Everybody is living in a test in this generation. And the question is, what will we do with that test? Will we pass or will we fail? The preacher can't tell anymore. It used to be they used to say, just stay away from the black box. Don't put that in your house. Can't do that anymore. And now it's, it's so progressed that there's things that are on this that, 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 that we don't even know about. We don't even understand. And it's so rapidly progressing that we cannot get ahead of it. So we've got to change gears and preach the word of God from a different angle. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, that you present your, that includes my eyes, my ears, my heart, my mind, my imagination, my soul, every part of my body. Not, we always talk about God saving the soul, but I want to tell you, God's interested in your body too. God, in, God is interested in what your body does. God's interested in what you put on your body. God's interested, amen, in what you do with your body. God's interested with it all. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Church, we've got, it. We've got a challenge. This is a giant we need to throw a stone at. Be not conformed to this world. Well, everybody else is doing it. Every other church is doing that. And everybody I know does this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. We need to let God touch our mind. When Jesus Christ was crucified, one writer wrote it this way, that Jesus went up to Calvary. I mean, we sing about Calvary because that's a, that's a pretty word. But another writer wrote it and said he went up to Golgotha. Nobody sing about Golgotha. It's not a pretty word. Do you know what that word means? It's the place of the skull. In other words, the first place the blood of Jesus ever touched was the place of the skull. And I am convinced that if we don't let God renew our mind and God touch our mind, uh, amen, that we're going to go the way of the rest of the world. But I believe with all my heart that God is so interested in saving our minds uh, that he let the blood touch the mind. Uh, I mean, I'm so convinced uh, that God wants to save our minds uh, that he took a crown of thorns uh, upon his head. Uh, amen. I'm so convinced that God wants to save our minds uh, that God fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, and he starts to transform our mind uh, and he starts to renew. Renew our mind. 
Can I preach to somebody that has been given over to fantasy and given over to lust uh, and you don't know how to get out of it? Uh, I'll tell you how you get out of it. Uh, you come down to the altar and you say, God, touch my mind. Uh, and what does God do? Uh, he renews it. Uh, he makes that mind new. Uh, he takes that seared conscience uh, and he unsears it as if it was never seared. Uh, he takes that defiled conscience uh, and he purifies it as if it was never defiled in the first place. Uh, God touches your mind uh, and you stop thinking the way you used to think uh, and you stop going the places you used to go. Why? Because God wants to save your mind. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. We need to let God touch our mind, church. Amen. We need to let God touch our mind. Amen. Because our eyes, amen, we need to be like Job. I've made a covenant with my eyes. God, I've made a covenant. that I'm not, I'm not going to look on that. I'm not going to that website. I'm not getting on that app. I'm not going that direction. Amen. I'm not talking to that person. Amen. God, touch my mind so you can touch my heart, so you can touch my actions. What was Jesus' answer? Amen. What was Jesus' answer to the lust, amen, that he was dealing with? Jesus put it best when he says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Amen. We're going to have an altar call here in a moment. No, I'm kidding. Now, somebody in history took that literally. Amen. Don't take that literally. That's not what he's saying. Although, let's be honest, for a hypothetical moment, if that was the difference between you making it to heaven and not, you didn't hear from me, but pluck it out. You heard it from Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, pluck it out. He didn't just say, pluck it out. Well, I just, I just, I just set my, my phone over here. Just pluck it out for a moment. Until I want it back. No, 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 no. Jesus said, pluck it out and cast it far from you. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, in other words, what you're looking at, what is now affecting the imagination, the eyes, uh, amen, the window to your soul, and now he's dealing with the actions, not just thinking and fantasizing about it, but now the actuality of doing it, uh, amen, that now it's progressed, uh, lust conceived, and now it's bringing forth sin, and sin is bringing forth death, uh, and he's saying, if your hand offends you, cut it off and throw it as far as you can. What does that look like on a physical lo location? It might be you just completely get rid of your smartphone. I'm preaching to men and to women. Amen. It could be you take a moment and you disconnect, you disengage completely from social media. I'm just going to give some very practicals in the 21st century. I hope that's all right. It could be you can't handle, amen, the place you work because you keep being tempted by this one individual. Either you just set it straight and say no and let it be plain or you get a different job. Because my walk with God is too important. Uh, it could very well be you stop going to the same places uh, because you keep running into the same thing. Well, that's a little old and antiquated, preacher. Yeah, but it's your soul we're talking about. It's, it's better, uh, amen, if that relationship you've got is causing you to sin and causing you to lust and causing you to miss out with God. It's better to break off the relationship, throw it as far as you can, amen, and be right with God and revenge all disobedience when your obedience is made full. 
1 Corinthians 6 and 18, what does Paul say? What did Paul say? He echoed what Jesus said. Flee fornication. Let me just talk about that for a moment. Every sin that a man does is without the body, except committing fornication. If you do that, not only are you sinning against God, you are sinning against your own body. What? Don't you know that your body, everybody talks about God don't care about my body. He only cares about the inside. No, God cares about the whole part. You inside and outside. God cares about it. Amen. What Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Paul is letting them know. Amen. He's telling them the, rem- the remedy, uh, amen, for lust that has moved forward and progressed. Uh, amen. He's talking about, uh, amen, this, this hand that needs to be cut off and thrown away. Uh, what is his answer? He says, flee fornication. Amen. That word fornication, amen, comes from another word, which is pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. Amen. It can all go back to the same thing. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, what does he tell Timothy? He tells him, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want you to notice that the apostle Paul did not tell Timothy or the church to pray about lust. Hallelujah. Amen. And what I'm talking about is not talking about not having a prayer meeting. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen. Well, you know, I'm going to pray about whether it's the will of God. He didn't tell him to pray about it. He didn't tell him to fast about it. Well, I'm going to go on a fast and find out if it's the will of God that I watch pornography. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to fast if this relationship that's got out of hand uh, and gone the wrong direction, if it's the will of God. No, he didn't say, he said, didn't, don't fast about it. He did not say tolerate it. Well, I'm just human. I'm just a man, or you're just a woman. It just is what it is. Hey, you know, we're just nothing but animals, and that's just how we are. It's in our nature. He did not tell them to tolerate it. He didn't even tell them what he told to do with the devil. He didn't say resist it. In fact, that's what the Bible says, resist the devil. He didn't tell them resist it. He told them to run. Resist the devil, but run from lust. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Resist the devil, but run from lust. If you know it's your, if it's something that's tempting to you, uh, amen, you ought to go as fast as you can in the opposite direction and give no place to the devil. Give no place to your imagination. Give no place to your, well, I, I'm going somewhere else. I, I, you know what? I'm man enough to say I can't handle this or I can't handle that. I need God's help. You ought to get up from where you are and run as fast as you can. Hallelujah. Let's stand across the building. Let's lift up our hands. Let's pray for a moment. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. There's some people's marriages that are being affected right now because of lust. Amen. There's some people's, amen, walk with God right now that's being affected because of lust. Amen. You need to let God touch your mind. You need to let God renew your mind. But in the process of letting God renew your mind, you need to cut some things off and throw them as far away as you can. In the process of letting God renew your mind, you need to run. There are two examples we see in the New Test or in the Old Testament. We see David and we see Joseph. David was at home when he should have been at war. First problem. When you disengage from a spiritual battle, 
you are leading and going the wrong direction. When you disengage from God, you disengage from the people of God, you disengage from church, I promise you, mark it down, you are headed the wrong direction. And it may not be today. I'm not a preacher or a prophet of doom and gloom. And it may not be tomorrow, but it's coming. Because the devil looks for the one that has wandered off and says, that's why the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the weak, he's looking for the sickly, and he's looking for the lonely. And the devil knows how to connect the lonely. I've seen it happen in the church. This person and that person don't even like each other beforehand, but they get in a marital spat with their spouse. And over here the devil's working on this side, and then all of a sudden they come together. It happened multiple times in my home church. Amen. No fault of my pastors, just how the devil works in a church and how people let the devil work. Amen. David should have been at war fighting for God's people and things of God. David should have been writing songs to God, should have been in the worship team, should have been doing, should have been there playing and singing and doing all these things that he did. He should have been strumming on his harp. But he disconnected. And now, when he should have been at war, he's in bed. Spiritual slumber is killing a lot of people in our generation. And he gets tired of being in bed. Imagine that. So he gets up out of bed. This is in your Bible. Thinks to himself, I'll go up on the roof. David knew exactly what he was doing. Because he knew the vantage point and what it would look down towards. The devil started playing upon his own enticements, his own lusts. David thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't have anything better to do. The Bible says he got up from his bed, he went on the roof, and he looked down. Just one look. Nobody else noticed. Shouldn't matter. But it did not stop there. The Bible says that he then took Bathsheba and committed adultery. And then eventually killed, mur committed murder. This is an Old Testament version of pornography. This is the lust that Jesus was talking about. Some would say, well, if he just looked, it wasn't a problem. Nope. That's where it started. That's where the problem started. Because his temptation led to his action, and it took him deeper into sin than he ever thought he would go. But then we see Joseph, who nobody would know. He's working for Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife, he owns everything in the house. Everything's at his disposal. And the Bible says that Potiphar's wife pressed him daily. I want to tell you how the devil works. Lust consistently will come your direction, and it will consistently be there day in and day out. The devil's biggest tactic is he wears down the saints of the Most High. He will continually send something into your DMs. He will continually send something across your screen. He will continually bring somebody by your workplace. He will continually, why, daily, daily, daily. And she pressed him. Joseph, who did not have a church, Joseph, who did not have a preacher, Joseph, who did not have a choir, Joseph, who did not even have the Holy Ghost, had something called common sense. And no doubt he'd been taught the Word of God. And the Bible says Joseph ran. And the Bible says she grabbed a hold of his coat. And he could have said, well, well now I have an excuse because I can't lose my coat. Nobody will know. Nobody will find out. Just, just a little thing. 
In fact, nobody probably would ever found out. But Joseph feared God, and Joseph knew God would see. And Joseph said, even if I got to lose my coat, even if I got to be falsely accused, he ran as far as he could. Pastor, why are you talking about this? I'll tell you why I'm talking about this. Because I'll never forget, as a 10-year-old boy, my father bringing a magazine into our room, into my room, and saying, this is okay. 10 years old. This is all right, because my father had an addiction to it. He said, this is normal, this is natural. And thus began a bondage that lasted for years. And I remember going to church. Listen, I, I read statistics at the beginning of this. Amen. And some people would say, well, it's nobody in the church. It's just people in the world. No, statistics work in the church too. And I remember going to church, youth camps. I remember going to the altar. And I remember crying and repenting. But I still had this thing in the back of my head saying, uh, my dad saying, it's okay. And I'll never forget. Amen. It was a struggle. I, got, I did everything in my power. I got, I, let me just give some people some pointers. If you really want to be free, you can be free. Don't let the devil lie to you and say there's no freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. I'll bear my soul if for one person to find out that there's hope. I'll bear my soul and let everybody criticize me if they want, just so they know that there's freedom after it all. There's a renewing of your mind. There's a renewing of your thoughts. There's a renewing of your imagination after the fact. And I remember, amen, got, got a hold of my best friend and said, man, this is where I'm struggling. I said, can you help me? I did everything from giving my cell phone, amen, to make him put a password and to lock everything off my phone, amen, disconnect and disengage. I didn't care if it made me look like a fool, if it made me look like a failure. I kept hitting that altar, amen, and I promise you, amen, I would go home every night, and when I was tempted, I'd call my friend and say, hey, I don't care if it's 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. I said, brother, you need to pray for me right now. What was I doing? I was saying, I got to be free and I remember going to the going to my house and even the devil trying to work things over and I said okay God Amen. I hit my knees and I prayed and I said, God, amen, I've been fighting this thing and fighting this thing and fighting this thing, uh, trying by my own willpower uh, and time after time after time I fail, but I believe in your word whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Uh, you shall know the truth uh, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, I've been disobedient in all these areas, uh, so God, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to turn around in all those areas I've been disobedient, uh, in all those areas I've been disconnected and disengaged. Uh, God, I'm going to remove everything I need to remove. Uh, I'm going to throw it as far away as I can. Uh, God, I'm, if I got to lose some friends, let them lose some friends. Uh, if I got to feel like a failure, I'm going to feel like a failure. But God, I'm going to get back. Uh, I'm going to open up your word. Uh, I said, God, every time the devil tempts me, I'm going to do what the Bible says. Uh, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. Uh, amen. He said in Psalms 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I said, every time the devil tempts me, I'm just going to be more obedient uh, and I'm going to grab your word. Uh, and before I do it, I'm going to read a page. Before I do it, I'm going to go back over the verses I've memorized. Amen. I've come to preach to somebody, amen, that God, amen, absolutely and completely delivered me. I've come to preach to somebody that God renewed my mind, that God touched my heart, that God turned me around, and God wants to do the same thing tonight. I want you to lift up your hands one more time. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. 
there is victory after failure. Amen. I want to preach to somebody. There is a sound mind uh, after you've let your mind wander and your imagination wander. There is purity after failure. Uh, there is purity. God can purify your mind. God can purify your soul. Uh, I've come to preach to every man, woman, and child uh, that God uh, wants to deliver you. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm not saying you won't have challenges. But I've come to preach to somebody. You can be set free of the shackles uh, once and for all. And the devil can't play in your mind. I want to come. Would you come open? I want to open this altar. Would you come? I, I want to give this altar call right. This is not an admission of guilt. You don't have to be afraid of anybody looking at you. Everybody has that one thing. Amen. The devil puts in their mind, and it might fleet by, but you know the devil's trying to tempt you with it. I want you to pray about it right now. There's other people that you've got to struggle, and you need God's help, but I've come to bear my soul and tell you that God will set you free once and for all, and you never have to go back to it. God will deliver you once and for all, and you never have to struggle with that again. God will set you free just like he does the drug addict. God will set you free just like he does the alcoholic. God will set you free, amen, to where you can now handle, amen, certain things, where you mature to a certain point. God can help you. God can give you a beautiful life. God can put things back together and restore you, but you got to let God help you. Come on, let's pray all across this building in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now. Hallelujah, Lord. There's some people that their own temptations and their lusts have been hindering them from receiving the blessing of God. But I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would touch us today. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you, God. You can renew minds. God, you can change the patterns of thinking. God, you can change and you can obliterate the patterns of addiction right now in the name of Jesus. You can so liberate somebody's mind, God, that they never go back to it ever again, God. Uh, Lord, you can so transform somebody uh, when they're sincerely praying and asking God that you would touch them, uh, that they never have to return back to that bondage, uh, that they can be free once and for all. Come on, that's in the name of Jesus. God's touching somebody's mind right now. The blood of Jesus is being applied to your mind right now. The blood of Jesus is being applied to your conscience. The blood of Jesus is being applied to your imagination. The blood of Jesus is being applied to your eyes. The blood of Jesus is being applied to your heart right now. Somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. This is a moment of healing. This is a moment of help. This is a moment of deliverance right now. 
Maybe you haven't been able to lift up your hands in worship because you feel so dirty, because you feel like you messed up too bad. I want you to lift up your hands and know that God cleanses and God forgives and God forgets and moves on. That's it in the name of Jesus. I'm not leaving this altar until God's touched my mind. I'm not leaving this altar until God's touched my heart. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Somebody pray in this house. In the name of Jesus. I know it's a real sobering subject. I, I understand there's a lot of other things I'd rather talk about, but I've just come to help somebody. I want you to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If not for yourself, if God has so touched you and God has so helped you, I want you to pray for the person, amen, next to you if it's appropriate, amen. This is not a, a moment of condemnation. This is a moment to say, God, you want a holy church. God, you want a pure church, amen. That You want a church without spot or wrinkle, without blemish, God. And we're asking, Lord, that you would purify. We're asking, God, that you would purify minds, that you would purify imaginations, that you would purify consciences, God, that you would purify our hearts, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Lord, we come against every lie of the enemy. We come against every attack of hell, the tempter that comes by late at night on David. Uh, amen. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Uh, God, the moments where the young, where they feel weak, uh, amen, God, where they feel like they don't have the strength to continue, I pray right now by the name of Jesus that the Holy Ghost would meet them there uh, and give them strength where they were weak uh, in the name of Jesus. Let us not lift our souls to 
So give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to Give us clean hands. Give Come us on, let's just somebody pray. The Holy Ghost might start speaking to you about some things you need to cut off and throw out. Some things you need to disconnect from and disengage from and distance yourself from. Let the Holy Ghost speak to you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, because God wants you to be saved. God wants your soul saved. God wants you to live to your full potential. Amen, while you're here on this earth. And God, amen, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. We believe in your mercy. We believe in your grace, God. But we also believe in your delivering power right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, you wonder why, as much as I don't really like talking about this kind of stuff, I don't. It's not fun. I'd rather preach some exciting message. But it's a testimony in my life of what God delivered me from. But furthermore, lust will hinder the church. I'm not talking about the fact that you had a fleeting thought. I'm talking about what Jesus talked about. Lustful intent. Where you've let it fester in your mind. And now it's becoming an imagination, a fantasy. And it's now starting to work its way out. This is where divorce happens, and that'll be one of the subjects we will be talking about because that's the next thing Jesus talked about. It's interesting he put it in this order because lust typically comes first. Anger comes before that. Amen. But when they sent Balaam to curse the people of God, he would go up and he would try his best to curse the people of God. And you know what the Bible says? Every time he went to curse them, he could not curse them. And when Balak asked him, why didn't you curse the people of God like I paid you to do? He said, I can't curse them because they are blessed. That's their identity. We'll talk about that at another time. And he did it multiple times, and multiple times he failed. Finally, Balak got so mad and said, I'm done paying you to curse these people. And Balaam let him know a secret. I cannot curse them because they are blessed, but you can get them to curse themselves. How do you get a blessed church to become a cursed church, one that has cursed itself? He said, send the foreign women in. And what cursing could not do, lust took care of. Some people say, well, why is that a big deal? Because listen, our generation's got more access to stuff than they've ever had. How are we going to have revival greater in the last days? A greater degree of purity, a greater degree of holiness, a greater degree of obedience, a greater degree of we walk on that straight and narrow. That doesn't mean you're perfect all the time, but that means, you know what, God? If it's something that is going to be a challenge or a struggle for me, I'm gonna, I'd rather cut it off 
Well, that's extreme. It's got to be extreme. We're talking about salvation. And throw it away. I want this to be a blessed church. I hope you do too. Amen. I believe this is a blessed church. And we'll talk about it next time we teach. We need blessed families. We need blessed marriages. And the devil's going to look for every crack. He's going to look for every door and every window that you left unlocked or open. And he will slither in. And that's what destroys people. That's what destroys marriages. That's what destroys families. And that's what destroys churches. So the burden is upon the people of God that if we'll just keep walking with God, when you struggle, rejoice not against me, all my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. You get back to the altar. You get back to the word of God. And you say, okay, I'm not just going to look at the action. I'm not just going to look at the fruit. But the Bible says the axe is laid to the root. It's not just I fell into pornography. The question is, what led up to it? Oh, my goodness. I let myself get alone, and I disconnect, and I get disengaged. Go back and do your first works. In Jesus' name. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, because this word works. I thank you, Jesus, because it worked for me. It's worked for other people in this house, God. And, God, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch our church, touch our marriages, touch our families, touch our young men, touch our young ladies, touch the men, touch the ladies, God. I pray right now, Lord, from the older all the way down to the youngest, I pray, God, that you would purify, that you would cleanse, Lord, that you would uphold us with your free spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that we would that you would help us through the Holy Ghost to walk in purity to walk in righteousness, to walk in the love of God. Amen. Surround us, Jesus. Surround us with your love. Surround us with your help. Surround us with your strength. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Don't forget, ladies, you got ladies' prayer and devotional. And men, we got some horseshoes to throw. Amen. And then we'll have church on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time. Invite invite everybody you know. Invite kids, young people. Amen. We're going to have a great time in Jesus' name. God bless you.